0: everybody, I'm Robert Cannon, and this is Figure of Speech, a podcast dedicated to the impact of forensics. Episode 18, Angela Chan. Angela, welcome in. Nice to have you here.
1: Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's
0: great to have you. Uh, Angela, you competed, do you remember what years you competed, like what, uh, when you started? Uh, you competed in middle school.
1: So I think around 2011 is when I first started okay. Speech and Debate.
0: 2011 and then you, you went for three years? Your entire middle school career, is that right? Or did you do some elementary in there as well?
1: Mm, I think I just started in middle
0: school. Okay, so you did middle school. Now did you do high school as well?
1: I did one year of high school.
0: And what so year was that? Was that your freshman, freshman year? freshman year, yes. Okay, and then, then you stopped. Yes, I did. Let's talk about that, <laughs> but we'll get to it in a minute. So let's just jump in. How did you get started in, in speech? Um, what was your beginning?
1: I think growing up, I had always been super quiet and reserved. And so my parents wanted me to kind of see what a speech class would be like to Mm -hmm. try to get my public speaking skills up there. And so I was actually forced into it. I was super nervous. I didn't want to have to speak in front of any kind of audience. Um, So I went to Wilshire Academy where I went to my first speech class. And there I met One of my close childhood friends judy kim Mm. um and that's when she she was
0: she was in the same class as you
1: yeah she was it was a summer class and she and i got really close and we both started doing things where we would pair up and perform together and then we thought about doing debate together as we um wanted to work more in terms of like a team and so that's i think that's how i got into debate
0: well I, I don't remember you specifically. I mean, it, we, we should state, just for the podcast listeners, that you were my student at that <laughs> point. Um, and I don't remember how you began, but I remember it, at first you were partners with someone else. You were partners with Yeonsook right audrey
1: so that was uh when i started debate when i started speech which i did before debate i remember the first thing i had to perform for you was um like jack and the beanstalk something like that okay. where my partner and i would like change heights and you thought that was super cool and clever and so i think after that like realizing that i could be good at this mm-hmm. um i think that kind of motivated me to continue doing speech um, but I like the idea of having a partner or debating against someone, and so I gradually like transitioned over to overage debate.
0: so did you did you ever do speech after you started kind of making the transition into deb- debate? I don't remember you? No, I didn't. Yeah,
1: I just made the full transition. All
0: yeah. right, and so let's talk about that. so what what drew you into debate? Did you just decide I'm gonna try this debate thing out too, or what?
1: Hmm, I think I was just a little bit more drawn to the fact that debate had a lot of research. And I think analytical thinking, like on the spot, whereas I think speech caters to a lot of people that are interested in performing arts, or whether if they like acting or um, like all these categories, like H I or all all of those. I think people that are into performing arts do well. And I think I coming from a background where I love writing, I love doing research. I loved reading at the time. Haven't done it (laughs) as much now. Uh, I think I was just drawn to the fact that I could prepare. Um, like and learn about something whatever the topic was and come with like a load of research and I think having that like b- like binder of all these like evidence files printed out I just like the feeling of having like everything in my back pocket being able to speak about whatever the topic was
0: do you remember your first debate resolution I mean you did public form debate Yes. Primarily. Mm-hmm. What was your first debate resolution? Do you remember?
1: Oh, I don't remember at all, but I know one of the most memorable ones was about gun control in the U.S. I right. remember because you took us to the gun range. I did, yeah. <laughs>
0: that that was a. I I found myself in the middle of discussing this. I... I feel like so often the the debate is so one-sided because from teachers, you only hear guns are bad, guns are bad. That's what all schools say. And I'm not saying guns are good necessarily, but there has to be another side. Otherwise, there's not much of a debate. And I found to myself, we're talking about guns and you've never seen a gun before. You have exactly. probably never fired one. And I think that was the, the case for everybody in the class. So, so we just said, let's go down to the gun range. What do you remember about that?
1: Um, I just remember thinking wow my coach is crazy and uh, (laughs) (laughs) I told all of my friends that day that I was going to the gun range because my debate coach was taking us Um, I was very excited when I got there it ended up being really fun it was like a recreational gun range Uh, and I think that definitely changed my personal perspective on like whatever I'm hearing in the media like especially in California about gun control especially in schools Um, everything is definitely one-sided but having that experience made me more open to wanting to learn more about like the other side yeah, and especially yeah and especially being more comfortable debating on like the other side of the debate whether mm-hmm. like regardless of which side that I personally take.
0: I'm so glad to hear you say that because that's exactly that was my point and mm-hmm. uh and I'm glad that that, that was affected I I have some really key memories about that. I remember the, there were a few boys in the class before we went, that were, you know, they'd make the a gun shape with their hands and, <laughs> you know, try to pretend fire. And then when they saw the real gun, they just got really serious and they were yeah. like, whoa. And, you know, the guy, there was a safety lesson of mm-hmm. here's what this gun can do. And, and I remember you being a really good shot. I remember you, 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 I think were one of the better better ones if not the best in the (laughs) the class of in terms of your accuracy
1: so i remember like i still have the sheet that i was firing Mm -hmm. at and i like managed to get all my shots onto the like somewhere on the target so i thought that was pretty incredible i do remember like everyone being so scared the poster that was up there that i still remember it said like if you if you aim our gun at anyone like we will aim our guns at you yeah. I remember that <laughs> it was so scary walking in there well I mean
0: you get some crazy people that go to those gun ranges you know and all it takes is somebody yeah. to, to take a weapon and, and turn it and mm-hmm. you know it's a tragedy but that's not a real good place to try to try to pull something like that yeah um it's so funny that you remember that, I, that that's a really fond memory for me mm-hmm. um as well the whole class so we we went to the gun control debate do you remember how that went for you?
1: Um, honestly, I don't, I think like, I don't remember any of the specific results from any debate tournament, but I think overall, what I remember of debate was that, especially in middle school was that my partner and I would always rank or we did pretty well mm-hmm. just because of the pure amount of research we had done, um, how prepared we were in terms of printing out all like the evidence, having it to show to the other side. And I think that because, my partner and i whether it was like uh, um yunsook who goes by audrey now or judy um we because we were always friends and also partners it helped for us to always be on the same page whenever like the opponents would talk uh, bring up a counter argument we would know which one of us would take that one um we always had someone who was always the first speaker versus the second speaker because we would tailor that to our strengths so i think it was And you kind
0: of did both right didn't you you did constructive and rebuttal speaking, as I recall.
1: So with Judy, I was mainly the rebuttal speech. Right. So I remember she was really good at like introducing our arguments. So we always had it that way. And with Yunsuk, I was, I think it was mostly the like the first speaker, but we did, um, that was when I was like still learning which one I was better at. So I think we like switched off.
0: Maybe like on, if we're doing pro, I'll be rebuttal. If we're doing con, you yeah. be rebuttal kind of Yeah, thing? something
1: like that because I think each one is hard in its own way. Like yeah. the first speech, it's, that's how your team's going to be remembered. Yeah. But it's also, you get to prepare it. You have time to make sure that like your speech sounds exactly the way you want it to be. Whereas your rebuttal, you can kind of like have half a speech prepared, but then you have to just think about what the other side is going to be saying.
0: Did you find yourself struggling at all? I mean, with your partners in terms of research and them not pulling their weight or anything like that? Um, Not trying to throw anybody under the bus, but I mean that's always a struggle. Sometimes for some for some teams, that's a eternal struggle, even if they're friendly.
1: Yeah, of course, that's a that's a problem in any kind of teamwork. I think Um, so. I I had more partners than just Judy and Audrey, but I think with those two, I never had an issue in terms of like doing the work because we were both um, like. we were both so passionate about trying to win, like trying to make it to nationals. Um, I think I had some um, male partners (laughs) in middle school, and I think um, with them, I ran into some issues of, not necessarily like how much work, but I guess when I think they like to push it off till the end. Yeah, whereas the very, like, like
0: two days before the tournament. Yeah,
1: I remember the girls like to be on top of it, have everything printed out, highlighted, like sticky tabbed. And the guys are just like, yeah, I'll just print it out and like I'll put it into a binder. Yeah, Call me
0: sexist, but uh, I'll take I'll take a female debater for that very reason all, all day long. Yeah. Uh, so I think if as I remember correctly, mm-hmm. hopefully you debated mainly with Audrey your sixth grade year. If I remember yes. that correctly, yes. and then she, I think, was an eighth grader. I want to say, and then she left. Is that is so, that correct?
1: So I think um, maybe
0: she was a year ahead of you. And
1: when I I think when I was in when I was in sixth grade, she was in seventh grade. Okay, but yeah. So eventually, she ended up graduating um, while I was still in the, like in debate.
0: Mm. Yeah, and then and that might that makes sense because I think. That's one I. She went in LD to Nationals Mm -hmm. her seventh grade, her eighth grade year, which would have been your seventh grade year. Uh And I think you and Judy went to Nationals together as partners. Is that correct? Public forum, yes. Right. And then your eighth grade year, Mm -hmm. you transitioned over into Lincoln Douglas. So what was that like? Walk us through that.
1: Um, It was definitely scary because I think just having a friend and a partner and like your. I guess just to appear with you to walk into that cold room is just really reassuring because um, that's just like when you see the judge, like I guess they were high schoolers or college students then who are not scary now, but then they were just like really like big and scary. The other team, they all had their nice briefcases. And so just having a partner you can talk with um, in the scary room was always reassuring. So being alone Um, I think I was definitely more nervous going into rounds. Um, But it was also nice because I knew what I could set the pace of how I wanted to do my research, how I wanted to organize things. And I would never feel that like, oh, my partner should have said this or like, oh, man, I'm not pulling weight for my partner. Mm -hmm. So I think it was different, good and bad. I remember
0: you coming to me, I I guess it would have been the beginning of your eighth grade year, saying, I think I want to do LD. And our, our academy doesn't really focus on LD too much. We mainly just do public forum. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then when you came in, I was kind of like, well, we can. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just a little different. And I remember us talking about that and being like, yeah. I'm not sure if this is going to stick. Yeah. And I remember you really Im- impressing me with your, your dedication, your research. And I felt like, I felt like every after every tournament, I was mm-hmm. like, "Well, that's probably going to be the end. That's probably going to be the last time she debates." Mm-hmm. And then you kept coming back, going, "No, I'm going to do this again. I'm going to do this for the next tournament." And <laughs> we'd have a few private sessions, as I recall, like yeah, uh, yeah, a few private true. classes. Uh, and then you would come in fully researched on stuff, and just like, "Yeah, I got all this information." I'm going, "Wow, you're you're really on top of it. You've you've always been <laughs> someone who impressed me with your dedication of research," um, and I, I want to. I wanna walk through, there was one resolution and it kind of coincided with some other research that you were doing for a school project. Do you remember that?
1: Oh God. It was like <laughs> national
0: security and I think you had you had interviewed oh, somebody. Oh
1: yeah, so for my eighth grade, um, I went to Palms Middle School and in your eighth grade, you have a final project called the iSearch Search Research Project and it's basically a year long thing, a topic of your choice and I had chosen national security. Um, and terrorism. And so one of my like primary sources was an interview with the, a former CIA agent. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I remember like having a really long interview with him at a Starbucks and him just telling me all these personal stories that I was able to kind of use to think of new arguments, not necessarily use them as a source, but I think being able to talk to someone who is literally yeah exactly who had worked in the field that you are debating on gives you a lot of insight into the kinds of arguments you can raise the kinds of I guess um, counter arguments you can make because I think in topics of healthcare gun control like national security it's really easy to make arguments that are really out there really bold and sometimes students forget like the emotional like the human impacts of those arguments or those solutions and so it was it was really helpful for that.
0: I think uh, what what you're talking about is so interesting to me of meeting somebody outside of the debate world, outside of academia in general and picking their brain to help influence things uh, inside your world. And I feel like the debate community just doesn't do that enough. I mean, I think mm-hmm. so much of um, the ideas that really are brought forth are based off of other academics, based off of what articles you can find on LexisNexis or something mm-hmm. along that line. And then. And you're kind of stuck with what you can search but the the depth to which you can mine Mm -hmm. intelligent people and people who know things that you don't know and it may not be uh classified information Mm -hmm. maybe it is classified information (laughs) in your in your case but they just have experiences that they're able to share Mm -hmm. uh and and in this case it's a great example of that i mean I've, i've i've benefited so much from talking with um with experts in the field, like whether I'm doing an informative s- speech or debate or mm-hmm. uh, even just doing like some uh, some interp. I mm-hmm. think there's there's impact to your speech if you can talk to experts who might have an outside perspective and you're willing to listen and and adapt to that. So I think that's a, a really intelligent approach and I wish more debaters did that.
1: Yeah, me too. I think research is something that a lot of debaters are really good at, but obviously that's very limited because we don't have all this time to be able to go to libraries and look at like scholarly books or, so we're often looking at very short articles or just trying to increase the number of like evidence files that we have. Uh-huh. And so we don't look at kind of like the the overall like big picture stuff, cause we're looking at like Heritage Foundation, all these like little sources. So I think it was, just a really good way to incorporate, just being able to talk to people, um, get outside of just like a quick Google search. But debate has definitely shaped uh, my passion for research in general, and it was definitely the starting point of being able to understand like how to do research in general.
0: I have a few specific memories. I want to I want to stroll down memory <laughs> lane with you a little bit. Um, there's a few really interesting thoughts that come to mind when I think about you and your and your debate experience one was uh before nationals this would have been your 7th grade year mm-hmm. uh we were you're we doing public forum with Judy and right before nationals we had worked out to do a scrimmage with another school we mm-hmm. went to another academy mm-hmm. and we went in and their debate coach was very experienced and mm-hmm. really knew what was going on and we sat down and and you debated their teams mm-hmm. and it was just kind of okay we'll just get some some laps here with with somebody that's not just us and mm-hmm. bring in new arguments and fresh ideas And I don't know if you remember this, but they had a specific way that they thought that the structure of public forums should go Mm -hmm. and where, where and when arguments should be responded to. And Mm -hmm. I disagree with that philosophically, but Mm -hmm. I've always tried to to teach students. You can't just go off of what your coach wants you to do. You have to adapt. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, their coach was very experienced and he was saying, here's what I want to see and. You guys debated, and then after the debate, I remember him saying to you, don't do it like that, do it the way that I want it. Mm-hmm. And then you guys debated again, and what he was asking was near impossible because it was a time crunch. He was asking you to basically fit eight minutes worth of speech into a four minute speech, mm-hmm. and you did it. And you, I remember watching you do it and be, <laughs> feeling so proud and just watching him kind of go, oh, yeah, that, yeah, that, that's how you do it. And him just being impressed. And he was someone who uh was not easily impressed and i remember stepping back going that's my girl Here you go wow. do you remember this moment at all
1: i don't i remember the scrimmage but i remember it being very nerve-wracking because i remember that coach and him having like very particular like ways that he wanted things done right. i don't remember feeling very good so uh, that's a no good I, rem- <laughs> I remember
0: you nailing it because he asked you change and you went okay cool and you just, you just changed <laughs> And you understood, I think I think the the problem that so often we see in public forum is that um, students have just been given a script to read. And it's maybe yeah. not just public forum, but it's it's a lot of debate. It's mm-hmm. the coaches writing and saying, here, say this. Mm-hmm. And the students don't truly understand what they're talking about. And mm-hmm. so when they're asked to make changes on the fly, those changes are pretty minimal. And he mm-hmm. asked you to make some se- severe changes to what you were saying. Basically, take all of what you've written and mm-hmm. cut it in half. And you had to on the fly figure out what what needs to happen in the argument to make it work and what needs to go mm-hmm. and you did that exceptionally well and i remember him kind of kind of going wow yeah that's that's exactly what you should do and i remember him kind of yelling at his own team to be like why can't you be more like her <laughs> it's kind of, i remember awesome. feeling very very proud in that moment <laughs> i also remember there was a really cool moment uh when you're your eighth grade year mm-hmm. um and i talk about this a lot when i teach my classes uh because i think it's a really it's a cool little moment. It's a snapshot. I came to watch. I remember it was your fifth round. Mm-hmm. And uh, and they had been power matching. And they had uh, it kind of worked you up to this kid that was, I think he was from Texas, but he was pretty intimidating. Oh, and this was an LD. Yes. Do you remember this, I, this round?
1: He's he's blonde, kind of short. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but,
0: and I remember before the round began, I remember sitting in the, the room. Mm-hmm. And you were kind of getting your files ready and everything. And I remember him, he had this giant like, case that he'd rolled they with they They bring, him. like,
1: plastic boxes of evidence. Right. They don't
0: do that anymore, right? <laughs> okay. Now it's all just laptops. But in his plastic box, he mm-hmm. had all these books. Mm-hmm. And do you remember this? And he would pull these books out and, like, thump the books down on the desk. Yeah. And he was trying to do it to intimidate you. And mm-hmm. I could see, because I was looking at his face, and he was, like, he would thump a book down and then look at you to see <laughs> if you had noticed. And you weren't. You were just in your own zone
1: because their entire school does that. So I had seen that before. So oh, it didn't, really? yeah, it didn't scare me because I remember one of their other debaters had done that, and I was super scared. But when they used the book uh, during the debate, they didn't like it. Didn't really make sense. I
0: don't think they ever touched. He never touched the book. Yeah. I, I remember looking like. Is he going to use this? And he didn't.
1: Yeah. I Yeah. I remember like, I remember that happening and I remember kind of laughing. Um, obviously, I was just nervous about the round in general, but I, that was not one of the things that would get me nervous.
0: <laughs> and I think you won that round too, as I recall. I remember feeling like, uh, I remember you did really well and I, I remember thinking that you won later on. And mm-hmm. then that was obviously your, that was your penultimate uh, round because mm-hmm. that was round five and I think you broke to octas after yeah, that yeah
1: i broke to Octa finals
0: and then you lost i think you were second seed if i rem- if i remember the stuff correctly uh-huh. it was i think you were second seed i think you it was an upset i think you lost to the 15th seed it was a 2-1 split decision Okay. That, that's pretty well in in <laughs> in, 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 yeah, tried I can't really in my brain yeah i remember that yeah um but I, I remember a few things about that just because i remember i think i was coming off of uh, cuz it wasn't too long before i had been competing mm-hmm. and i i remember there was a moment in your round where uh, in your in your octofine round, I had to pee so bad, and I was like, "All right, I gotta go." Like yeah. I'm just I'm so uncomfortable right now, and I yeah. felt bad that I had to leave in the middle of your debate. Yeah. But I was like, I'm uncomfortable, and if a coach pees his pants, I think that's gonna be really <laughs> really embarrassing. Yeah. Um. And I remember thinking, I hope they don't take this out on her. You know, I hope <laughs> they don't like try to punish her because I had to go to the restroom. Yeah. Uh, or something like that. But um. But I remember being very upset about the split decision. And do you, do you remember that moment? I mean, what, yeah, do, you, what I do. do you think about that moment?
1: I think that I had I had prepared so much, and I felt really good coming out of just, like, the the prelim rounds, I guess. Well, you had just
0: won state. You yeah, just won California yeah. state before that.
1: Yeah, so that had definitely given me a boost of confidence. But I also knew that Nationals was just on a way different team. Like, Texas has some great debaters. Uh, so I think that coming in, I was more confident, um, especially after, like, the first couple rounds. But i remember that um, there would be some arguments that i had never heard of before and i think that because i had done so much preparation i was a little bit it was a little bit of a crutch because i wouldn't think outside the box as much as i had wanted to Mm -hmm. so if i hadn't printed out files for a potential counter argument that i had anticipated then i would feel really flustered and i think that is that might have been what happened during that round so i remember one of the rounds that i did lose was one where um like i couldn't think of a counter argument because i didn't feel like i had the evidence to back it up so i think that kind of like in that sense over like preparation in general can kind of be um i guess like a like a i don't know a pitfall
0: that's a really interesting perspective i don't think i've heard Too many people talk about it that way of like, oh, I'm not saying like people should not prepare. No, but I think that's an interesting idea, which is once you've prepared, what are the what are the problems at that point? And it's relying on your preparation as a crutch instead of thinking on your feet. And I think. You really have to do both
1: because like I remember like all of my arguments I felt so good about because I had done so much research I had so much evidence to back it up I had um, prepared rebuttals to the counter arguments for my own arguments and I had even like printed out like um, like in speech form what those would look like because mm-hmm. I had anticipated them and so when I was hit with something that I didn't prepare I felt like relatively, that it was just so much weaker. So even if maybe logically it would make sense, I just didn't feel like I could present it confidently. And I think that's where, if like my opponent sees like a lack of confidence, that's where they just keep digging in.
0: I I just remember so much about that round. Um, you know, that time I think my brain was just on full record mode. <laughs> and uh, you know, I can I remember you. You had the flow. Somebody had debated the guy earlier and mm-hmm. you got to see his flow ahead of time. Somebody, oh, I've got his flow. I remember I was kind of waiting outside the room and you knew what arguments he was going to make. Mm-hmm. And then I remember after you lost, mm-hmm. do you remember how you reacted after after he lost? It wasn't bad. I at all, yeah. <laughs> I, I think you went into like a panic yeah. and you were so disappointed, but I felt like you handled it really well. Uh, I remember it was really hot and we went we went on a walk we like walked down the end of the hallway yeah and we went outside and then we were trying to, everyone was kind of trying to console you yeah. and everyone now knew it's all
1: kind of coming back everyone
0: yeah. knew you were very upset and yeah. you just i said, was
1: embarrassed it was yeah uh, totally understandable yeah.
0: and you said uh <laughs> can i just have a minute and you were like i just need to be alone and we were like cool yeah take your time and we, yeah. i remember all of us just kind of sat in the shade and you went out in the parking lot. And you just walked i think you just paced for it was it was probably a good 20 or 30 minutes it was a while yeah and i was a little concerned but i could see you you know you weren't that far away but you were probably i don't know uh, 200 feet away and you were just kind of pacing back and forth and just i think replaying it and just trying to assess that situation and to me i just thought that was a really i i i I still think about i don't talk about that moment with my students very much but i think about that as being a really a kind of healthy way to deal with that sudden loss yeah. and, and that disappointment, you know, like there's so many ways that that energy could come out and really destructive, terrible ways. Yeah, and just taking some personal time and just and and really the maturity of you to say, I need some time by myself, mm-hmm. and cool, all right, we're right here if you need us, we'll give you that time. Yeah. And you did, you took that time, and Um, we were concerned. I think there were a couple people like, should we go over? And I'm like, no, she said she wants to be alone. Let's leave her alone.
1: I'm not surprised at all. I actually still kind of do that. Even today um, whenever something is really challenging or I go through something that's kind of difficult I just want a little bit of time for myself and what I do during that time is kind of just self pity because yeah I feel like sometimes when you get it from other people it's frustrating because you don't necessarily like I mean it's really nice and consoling when you have people wanting to say like no you were so good you should have won like or some or trying to hug you it's very nice but I think it's just like a lose-lose situation where it's not going to make you really feel better, but you also have to be really polite in like accepting all of the consolation. So what I do at my time off is just, I just self pity my, I just like <laughs> pity myself so that I don't have to like be, be thankful to myself for pitying myself. And I kind of just get over it on my own and then go back out and like, let people say whatever they want to say to make me feel better. And it actually does. I think it helps then because I've gotten over the initial shock.
0: Well, at first. And I've said something about this too, Like, this sounds really messed up, but I like <laughs> when students cry at tournaments. And the reason why I like when they cry, I like when they get upset, is mm-hmm. because it means that you thought you were going to do well. It means you actually cared about the activity. It means that you're disappointed because you had bigger designs. And not everybody can get those bigger designs. But if you don't care, if you're kind of like, oh, well, I didn't break, but yeah. all right, get them next time. Yeah. It's like you're not you're not really fighting hard here. You know, that that's yeah. not what that that 30 minutes of you walking on a on a blacktop and you know in in that scorching heat that says to me it really messed you up that you, you we had talked about this and i remember even saying to you like clear a shelf off and at home yeah. for your trophy you know yeah. like plan for it it's gonna happen yeah. not in a way to build you like build up disappointment but i think you have to kind of go in with that mentality yeah and it didn't you didn't come home with that trophy you know and that is so
1: upset i remember like obviously i I was i don't remember like exactly that day but i do remember that that loss definitely stuck with me for a really long time because i think because i was transitioning from middle school into a high school especially a high school where their their debate team their ld team is very very strong Mm -hmm. it discouraged me from wanting to continue debate into high school which is why i stopped after freshman year and obviously like looking back in retrospect I wish I had continued it because I think it would have really changed the kind of person I was in high school in terms of the activities I get involved in, the leadership positions that I want. But, um, like, I definitely think that loss, like, stuck with me for a long time. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
0: It's good. I mean, everybody has their losses, right? I mean, you you remember those losses, and that's, it does help shape your character. Yeah. I think, uh, I got to say, and I'm not, not to just crap on you or anything, but I think (laughs) I'd like, I wish you had continued because I would have liked to have seen, um, where your high school career would have taken you uh, yeah. i i truly felt i truly felt in my heart that you were the best ld at that middle school tournament and <laughs> i think you just got a bad break i think you just got uh you know two judges who just for whatever reason didn't like you and like i'd didn't <laughs> want to buy what you were selling but i'm, I'm telling you uh, really objectively and i I, tr- I try to have a good head on my shoulders about whether a students got a real shot at it or not but you were yeah. really that that level of, of of competition um so well there's my daughter so let's uh let's transition over into high school so you said you did speech for a year i'm sorry debate debate, i apologize for a year your freshman year in Mm -hmm. high school what was that like
1: um it was really it was really intense because I went to a high school, I transitioned from public school into private school, and the team was really strong. They only focused on LD, they spread, which is um, just like, I had never done that before, and I was never coached to spread. I just thought that that was a really weird form of debating. Right. Um, so it was very strange to me to go uh, debate peers that would always spread all of their arguments and i was given speeches to give during my tournament so i remember like i had only i only went to two like one or two competitions and that was because i didn't even get to do research i didn't get to write my speech and i understand like that different teams do things differently like maybe if you guys if, if there's a team that does everything together writes like an excellent speech that everybody like everybody I guess presents that's one way to do it but because that wasn't the way I had learned to do debate in middle school I was just a little bit shocked by the pure difference in like middle school versus high school Mm -hmm. um, and also like the style of preparation so I ultimately decided that I didn't want to pursue debate in high school. Um, At my high school it was also challenging because debate was one of those things where if a student um, was on the team, that would be their primary extracurricular activity, and I was juggling a bunch of things at the time. Uh, So I don't regret not having given up everything to pursue debate, because I think the way that my high school did it um, wasn't fit for me. But I do wish that I had been able to continue like similarly, in it, yeah, yeah, similarly to what I was doing in middle school.
0: Right. So you, what did you do? You, you transitioned. I know you did cheer. <laughs> yeah. What so, else did you do?
1: I joined the cheer team. I was on the orchestra because I played the cello. Okay. And that was something that um, I had been doing for a really long time, so I didn't want to give up. I was volunteering a lot with the Children's Institute. um, So helping like tutoring, helping playing music. And so my best friend at the time and I, we started a charity like nonprofit club on campus where we do art projects every week. And so, for example, for Mother's Day, we would make Mother's Day cards and we'd give them to the Children's Institute Mm -hmm. uh, for their moms or Christmas Day cards. And like one of our big yearly events was a bake sale where we'd get um, we'd spend a lot of time, like, baking goods and also um, getting donations from a lot of kids on campus Then having a small bake sale on, like, the quad. So I was really involved in doing a lot of, like, um, arts and crafts kinds of things. <laughs>
0: <laughs> giving up debate for arts and crafts. Uh, and so, I mean, you're... By the time you're done with high school, you get into Cornell. Yeah. And then you just graduated from Cornell recently, fairly yes, recently. Like, was it June?
1: Uh, uh, um, in December. So I graduated December. a semester early. Okay. So I did uh, the December winter graduation. Okay. Mm-hmm.
0: And so walk us through Cornell. How was Cornell? Cornell? I, you did not do debate <laughs> while at Cornell, right? No, I okay. did not.
1: Yeah. So I did not. Cornell was, oh, first, it was very, very cold. Um, but other than that, like, being a big research institute, like, all my classes were research-focused. All the articles, I, uh, all the pieces that I was reading for all my classes were, like, backed up and all, like, extensive research. So it was my, I was studying government, and so that was also very research-heavy. And so I think that even though I didn't do debate specifically in college, a lot of the skills that I, I was using and, like, developing. Developing in middle school to use for debate research I was able to use for my political science research and so that was really nice
0: um, did you uh, I, I want to ask a question it's gonna sound loaded and okay. I, I really I want to know the le- legitimate honest answer to this okay so okay. I mean Cornell certainly is, is very left-leaning yeah and a lot of the stuff that we talked about in middle school I, I am far more conservative than your typical <laughs> yes <instructor. I> know. <laughs> I'm, I'm curious what kind of influence that that might have had on you. Mm-hmm. And do you, um, it, I mean, so much of like what we've talked about with government, yeah. Um, not to say that no one else has ever influenced you for, for that kind of discussion, yeah. but we're talking about it so much for so intensely for three years mm-hmm. in pretty formative years. I'm very curious how that impacts your thinking mm-hmm. and how that impacts your time at Cornell, mm-hmm. uh, whether or not. Uh, and maybe you're just kind of, oh, yeah, I know what the other side would say, mm-hmm. or maybe are you are you secretly more conservative than your typical Cornell person? Or what do you how does that impact you?
1: So ironically, I think even though Cornell is like a big, like liberal school, I think most of the people I know are personally more conservative than they Um, present themselves to be Hmm. and that's just because when you're in college and everyone's young and socially liberal and they everyone likes to say oh I'm socially liberal and fiscally conservative Um, I think everyone's just trying to fit in and they don't want to be the person who is like like dissing this group or like not liking this or that and so um, I was glad to be able to finally like understand that a lot of the classes that I was taking they would be very biased so for example i took one class called black women and political leadership so obviously that class was not a class that was um, trying to look at both sides of the issue it was Mm -hmm. definitely more of like an advocacy class and i really loved it i learned a ton Um, but as one of two non-black students i felt that i couldn't really it was like a seminar class i couldn't really speak as much as i wanted to because i didn't want to cross any boundaries i didn't know if i would be crossing a boundary and there was um there was like another guy he was white in our class for the first week and he had said something and someone commented back saying like yeah but you can't say that because you're a white male and so after that point i just felt like i couldn't say anything Mm. um so overall the class was really great but it kind of represents the experience that i had at cornell where most of the classes will kind of preach this one i guess like one type of thinking um, and so it wasn't until recently in my last semester, I took a class called, what was the Vietnam war from a very, very conservative veteran who served in the Vietnam war. Hmm. And he was the only, um, professor I had that wasn't like outwardly very liberal. Uh, so that was a cool experience. Oh, I'm,
0: I'm surprised that they let him <laughs> teach.
1: I know. I know. It's kind of crazy, but was I, he a
0: professor there already or was he a guest lecturer for a semester? He or? was,
1: he's a professor there already. Okay. So. For, like, Vietnam studies, he's actually pretty, like, well-known, um, but also, like, for his conservatism, I think maybe Probably, you know, <laughs> yeah. Got a little
0: reputation going there. Yeah. Uh, do you mind talking about your political – like, how do you skew? Do you skew a little more liberal, a little more conservative, somewhere in the middle?
1: Um. So, I think
0: – If you'd rather not say – this is not a political talk show. I'm just curious – how debate might've influenced some of those things.
1: So I I guess, okay, so when I was debating in middle school, I think I did have a slight conservative lean. (laughs) I think that was mostly because I didn't like that everything that I was reading on debate forums online would all just like say this one thing. And I kind of like to argue like the underdog Mm -hmm. argument and especially like having you as my coach, I think you liked hearing some of those arguments as well. And especially being forced to prepare for both pro and con, it made me see both sides of the issue. Whereas now in anything political related, you really, it's like an echo chamber. You just hear like one side. Um, So I think I have become more liberal, like as I go to like a big research institution, I'm from Los Angeles, like I go to New York City, Um, I worked in New York City. Um, But I think that like, I wish I had debate to be able to force me to look at the other side. Because now that I'm, Um, like now that I make money and like pay taxes and have to do all these quote unquote adult things, I don't like take the time to try to learn about the other side. I just have my beliefs and I look for the people that will like affirm that.
0: And that's it. (laughs) That's all she wrote. Moving on. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. I, 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 I'm like, like I said, I'm interested in the longer term impact of Mm -hmm. debate and how that shapes thinking. And, what people are walking away from this activity with, you know, I mean, I I say it like this is a podcast dedicated to the impact of forensics. And um, so often I get lost even in the show when I'm talking to guests, I'll talk to them about their background, but I guess I don't really focus enough on the impact that it's had on their lives. I mean, you just that it's helped you with your research at Cornell. Are there other severe impacts that you would say that debate has had on your life?
1: Um, it makes me super opinionated, even when I'm talking <laughs> with my friends. And I think sometimes... you just like,
0: what movie we're going to go see tonight?
1: Well, it's just that, like, I think I'm always looking for... This is really bad, but I think I'm always looking for, like, the fault in their argument. Mm. Especially, like, in my personal life, I think. Um, whenever I'm, like, talking with guys or, like like, an ex-boyfriend or, like, a boyfriend, whatever. I'm always looking for ways to, like gather all of the things that they had said in all their time with me and like pinpoint why they're all like they're actually negating each other or, like it's actually like contradictory like all of these things so I think in my personal life I'm always looking for ways to kind of argue against whatever is said to me um even so if- funny you say that I, <laughs> I had an
0: ex-girlfriend who when I was in debate uh yeah. so she and I were dating at the time and uh we got into a, an argument on the phone and mm-hmm. I remember flowing what she was saying <laughs> and then, you know, having just letting her go. And yeah. then when she was done, I would say, well, let me go back and respond to everything that she said. She yeah. got so upset because she knew like I s- <laughs> that, said that 20 minutes ago and you're coming back and throwing that back in my face. And I yeah, realized, they,
1: yeah, people get really annoyed when you do that. Like, um, so <laughs> it's really funny because. Uh, I studied abroad last year, and so I met a really good friend. Um, Her name is Arabella, and when we first met, like we got along really well because we're both really, we're both really um, like chill in that we don't have too many like preferences of like where we need to go out, like what we want to wear for a certain night. All these like I guess socially just not very picky. Mm -hmm. Um, But I remember that later in the year when we became really close, she told me she was like, you know, you're not that chill. Like you're so opinionated. (laughs) And I was thinking, like, I guess that's true because whenever we're in serious talks, I just kind of like to just, like, go against whatever someone else is saying even if i might agree with them i just kind of like to bring up points that that maybe they hadn't considered and people just really don't like that (laughs) well
0: i i think too and i hope you don't mind me saying this but you have you have a look that you can throw and i don't even (laughs) think you mean to throw it sometimes because like i said i've just been so much you and i've spent so much time together and even though it was a number of years ago i still feel like i know who you are at your core right (laughs) i mean you and i don't spend too much time together now but I know who you are yeah. and I've seen you throw that look and I I think people are like oh my gosh she's she's scary looking and you and I been <laughs> talking like I'm not even trying to be scary right now but you have a look that you throw sometimes and it's not resting resting bitch face <laughs> or anything like that but it's definitely like a a look and people feel like oh I have to back down because Angela's like she's this is the way that she wants things done <laughs> and maybe that's part of it you know
1: maybe I don't know that's something that I don't know if i want too much anymore Mm. uh, as a quality but i know that i that's not an
0: attack or anything i think it could be helpful
1: but i think well i guess in a good way debating has helped me with conflict resolution too so a lot of my friends say that i'm really good at confrontation um i know a lot of people like especially girls when like my friend group gets into a fight it's just like weeks on weeks of just ignoring each other or just like giving like the glare down when you're like passing each other um but i always whenever like i have a miscommunication with someone i always like to figure it out that day or the next day um like at worst it'll be like a text exchange but even then i really like i think i understand how to like resolve a conflict that i have with friends and i think that comes from debate where you have to refute them but in a very polite way and that's how you come out on top because when you seem like you're being aggressive no one's going to ever believe you because yeah. then you're just all emotion and no logic
0: i remember us um i remember we went to a tournament and after the tournament we wanted to go over the ballots mm-hmm. and you were really desperate to go over the ballots and we went to there was a graveyard right next to the term do you remember this and we went to we went to this graveyard, uh-huh. and it was like a, a giant graveyard, big sweeping graveyard. We drove up to the, this, this hill <laughs> yeah. so we could sit down and look at the ballots together. And I remember us talking about that very thing. And I think there were a couple of ballots that had said something to that effect of mm-hmm. like, um, of it, you being aggressive, and we us talking about uh-huh. that idea of yeah. you have to be sweet, you've got to be saccharine sweet, so exactly. that people are like, oh, you're so, n- I want to help you uh-huh. out, and that yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely, and I, I've always found you to be just a joy to work with. Like I, there was oh, never you. any problems with you, uh, you know, in, in the class. But uh, you know, other people when they get into rounds, everybody gets so. I mean, you're arguing yeah you know and you're you're passionate about what you're saying and especially
1: if you if you have prepared a lot then you really believe whatever you're saying and even if you switch right to the other side like you really believe whatever you're saying at that time too right so it's really hard because i feel like people get really attached to their arguments and so they feel like it's a personal attack when someone's refuting their argument um but i think like i don't know like how it was then maybe i was aggressive but i think now like in my personal life like i've done a pretty good job of being able to handle when people like disagree with my core thoughts
0: (laughs) just to put a cherry on this conversation you told me before we started recording that you had recently gone to judge a tournament
1: yes what was
0: that like this is your first time judging at a high school tournament
1: no this was a high school tournament but it wasn't your first time it was not. So my brother, he is a junior now, and so he competes like locally. And I sometimes go volunteer to help judge. Oh, okay. Yeah. So this was actually for speech, uh, speech events rather than debate. So it was slightly different. But I guess from my experiences, I always loved having people comment a lot on comment cards. So I always go and try to write as much as I can mm-hmm. because even if no one reads it, when a kid does, it really like makes them feel good or makes them feel like they have concrete things they can work on. Um, yeah, and so it's really nice to be able to see kids that are really passionate about it yeah. because uh, obviously like I was that kid when I was in middle school and it's like nice to be able to see... Um, kids wanting to continue that all the way throughout high school.
0: Well, your brother's got some some real talent as well.
1: He does, and I can see that too. He's just so lazy. Like, I have a laziness issue, but he really has a bad...
0: (laughs) I think everybody has some laziness issues.
1: But Alex has it really bad, and you can see it because he is really talented. He's really great at speaking, and he has this kind of presence that I think is really hard to naturally have. But it just... He just... He doesn't care. That's the issue. (laughs) I
0: remember he was in third grade and he was doing impromptu Mm -hmm. and you were kind of helping him do some impromptu and Mm -hmm. he went to a tournament and he had not really rehearsed Uh and he went to the tournament. I remember you were there with me. We were in the room and Uh he started crying before he even came into the room. He was just so upset. Yeah. And I remember us looking at each other like, well, that's what you get, man. You got to feel that, that sting of not, of not being prepared. Yeah. Um, but you know he's he's gone on and had a well, very successful speech career,
1: yeah, yesterday, actually, what what's really funny was he did really well in his rounds, and I think he He could have placed in the top three, but I think what happened, there was one huge mess up that happened in the first round. What happened was he chose the name Betsy Coleman, and then he forgot the name because he was like, yeah, I didn't know who she was, but I didn't like the other choices. They were boring. So I chose this woman because she's probably important because she was given to me. And so I had a great speech about, like centered around like defining like a powerful woman in history and then he said he forgot the name and so when he was like i was given the word and he was like oh man i forgot her name and so everyone <laughs> laughed and everyone enjoyed it he said it was quote a fire speech but he just like he, he, those kinds of things are just like if you practice and like you know how to remember the name that was given to you on the piece of paper like he could have done so it was well <laughs>
0: sharp. yeah all right well angela this is the part of the podcast where we move into these 10 survey questions that we ask everybody who comes on the show. Okay. So these are uh, the same 10 questions everybody gets asked. This is the final round. Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's do it. All right. Question number one. Were you superstitious when you were competing?
1: Mm, yes, I think a little bit. How so? Um, I always liked wearing like certain outfits, and I thought that they would help me do better, I guess, like, in retrospect, that's not superstition. That's, like, actually true. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe, you know, there is some
0: psychology behind that. Yeah. Yeah. I, there was uh, one guest that we had that said that he always wore a blue shirt. Had to be blue, and if it wasn't blue, he, he wouldn't wear it.
1: Mm-hmm. I, I remember, like, I just loved wearing like frilly or like colorful, like, kind of colorful blouses and like a neat black skirt because I felt like that would be memorable but also classy. Like, I've seen some people wear like some bizarre colored suits, and yeah. that just kind of weird to me.
0: <laughs> All right. Any other ways that you were superstitious? Uh, no, not right. on that. Question number two, who is the competitor you most admired?
1: Um, that I most admired? I think his name is David Dosh. Yeah, I remember
0: Dosh.
1: He's from California, maybe yeah. Rebaix. Yeah, he was just really good at speaking. And I remember you guys but Judy ha- and I hated him right, so much. Yeah. Mostly because he was good, but he also knew that he was good. Yeah. Um, but I just really admired that he had this kind of presence that I think it was harder for two shy girls to have. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I remember there being a lot of like, oh David Dosh, he's yeah. in my way. You know, like if I
1: thing. if I if I like saw him on the posting that like that I had him, I would get so freaked out.
0: <laughs> I love it. If David
1: Dosh ever listens to this, sorry about that.
0: <laughs> David Dosh is right here, ladies and gentlemen. David Dosh. Uh question number three, what's the most memorable speech you've seen? It could be debate that you've seen.
1: Memorable speech or debate? Um you know, yesterday <laughs> it was from yesterday. Oh well,
0: I guess it's pretty memorable. <laughs> yeah,
1: um, this high schooler she did a uh, like an original oratory mm-hmm. on separating art from the artist, and I thought that was a really cool way to incorporate like culture and art into kind of like a philosophical statement and she performed it really well so that was super memorable I gave her first
0: <laughs> was she m- mentioning a lot of the me too stuff that's going on now with like, Weinstein and and a lot of like so Woody she, Allen so
1: surprisingly she's straight away from that I think that was a little mainstream and I think mm-hmm. that is what I would have expected um she brought up a lot of artists like examples like Dr. Seuss and Roald Dahl mm-hmm. um and talked a lot about like anti-semitic artist because she was jewish and i just think the most memorable part was the way she started her speech so she's she started talking about um she made a lot of really inappropriate jokes and then at the end of her speech she um like capped it off by saying like now you might think that i'm really immoral because of all these jokes that i made early on but and then she like somehow like um, made it into her speech being her art mm. and that if I thought her her art was good then like then it should win regardless of the fact that she might be a terrible person. So I just thought it had like a really nice like bow on the top. That's really interesting. <laughs> yeah.
0: And also gives you permission to laugh at really inappropriate jokes. <laughs> uh, question number four. How do you explain forensics to somebody who's unfamiliar with it?
1: Oh man. I guess it's Uh, The Art of Combining Literature, Academia, and Performing Arts. Wow.
0: The Art of Combining Literature, Uh, Academia, and Performing Arts. uh, Interesting. Uh, Question number five. What is your most unusual inspiration for a speech or debate? You know, maybe an argument or something like that. What's your most unusual inspiration? Um...
1: I don't have anything unusual. I would say, like, this happened regularly, but, like, debateforum.org or stuff like that, whatever people commented, it's kind of like the debate world, um, the debate world's, like like blog kind of where people just Mm -hmm. write random things and like chat about different things. And whenever people had some really like crazy idea, I would like look into that. And I remember reading some like crazy like posts about whether vaccinations should be compulsory. And like, I think those were like people's random comments would always inspire me. Well, I
0: think talking to a a former CIA agent would probably be a pretty, uh, unusual inspiration oh, as well. Yeah,
1: yeah. Well, I guess yeah, that is unusual. <laughs>
0: yeah, that's that's more unusual, I would say, than reading a blog. But you know, yeah, to each true. his own. Uh, question number six: Has a speech ever caused you to change?
1: Um, change? How so? These oh. are hard questions. Are they hard? Has a you speech... could
0: say no. You could say nope, not at all. Has it? Has a speech ever caused you to change? Or a debate ever caused you to change?
1: Um, I think debate has caused me to change because. I, well, sometimes when I feel really aggressive about the way I present a speech or attack someone's speech, it makes me feel bad. And so I think I definitely, like, was influenced in how I approached the crossfire after that um, because it would feel kind of guilty.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I think it's funny because so many people don't, don't walk away from debate feeling guilty and I like <laughs> that you have a conscience um okay question number seven what did you do with your awards
1: um so the ones for nationals I kept they're in the back of my closet somewhere and the other ones I actually recently threw them out you threw them out yeah but this year so that's like I kept, I kept them for a while
0: how did that feel when you were throwing them out were you, were you sad at all or just like I don't need these
1: uh, I wasn't sad but I was a little bit I felt kind of like like a relief yeah like kind of a relief because i think i was holding on to them because i felt like those were my only successes like physical Uh, like awards but i think i'm really like i'm i'm in a place where i don't need to think about like the time i won in middle school to mm -hmm. feel good about myself right yeah
0: Yeah, other experiences beyond
1: yeah i may i may have won one or two things after that (laughs) (laughs) a
0: couple uh all right question number eight what speech skill do you use most often in your day-to-day life?
1: In my day-to-day life? I think I tried to, so I tried to, uh, focus on eye contact. Wow. So I had a huge eye contact problem when I was first starting starting speech and debate. I would always, like, stray away from it. And I think it might be because in Korean culture, you don't really, like, directly look at people, especially when they're older than you. Um, So when I was doing debate, I would have... I remember having really excellent eye contact, and now it's kind of become more awkward. But whenever I'm doing interviews for a job or meeting new people or, like, meeting new friends, uh, I always try to use eye contact.
0: (laughs) That's a... No one's ever said eye contact That's a really interesting answer I like that Okay question number nine Why didn't you quit?
1: What do you mean why didn't I
0: quit? Why didn't you quit?
1: Oh, like before I did?
0: Yeah, before you did.
1: <laughs> um, I thought I was going to be good yeah? because the last tournament that was big that I did was the Nationals one where I lost at Octofinals. So before then, I had just won state. Like people recognized me when I went to local tournaments and felt good. And I think that I kept wanting to, I guess, like, like just be on that high of winning. So I didn't quit. And when I did, I think I quit mostly out of fear that I would, like, fall, like, way rock bottom, and I didn't want to be at that point. I wanted to kind of quit when I was still, like, a national qualifier and, like, a state champion.
0: (laughs) When you still had the goods. Yeah, a little bit of it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Question number 10, and this is my, my favorite question. Oh, man. What's the best speech advice you've ever received?
1: The best speech advice? I would say... Hmm, this one's hard. Someone told me to write my own speeches, and I think that's the best advice because... I have gotten speeches given to me or outlines where even if it's super informal, where like I'm presenting to a group of students like ideas or like things we need to get done. Um, if it's given to me, like I don't believe in myself and I think people will stop listening. Mm-hmm. As soon as I start like writing my own notes, speaking from those, I know where everything is. So that if my head kind of clears, I can just speak my thoughts rather than trying to like look at the page of whatever was given to me just kind of
0: understanding what it was that you wrote so it's yeah. a little bit easier to to jump off the page
1: yeah and also i think it's like um speech plagiarism too you have to just own your own work and be able to defend it later and it's hard harder to do that when it's given to you
0: that's nice that's <laughs> sweet <laughs> angela thanks so much for coming on the show it's been Thank great so talking to you me. um if people want to find you, do you have a, an Instagram you want to throw out there or Twitter or anything like that?
1: Oh, man. So you can follow me on Instagram. Uh, it's going to be A-N-G underscore C-H-O-N. Uh-huh. Yeah. And I may give you the follow back.
0: Maybe not. It just <laughs> depends on whether you're good enough. Uh, as for us, we'll always follow you back. Our handle <laughs> on Instagram and Twitter is at Forensic Podcast. Angela, thanks so much for coming down. It's been great talking to you, great reconnecting sharing little memories with you.
1: Yeah, I know. It was very lovely. Thank you.
0: <laughs> All right. So until the next round, keep talking. And as Angela Chan says, write your own speeches. <laughs> I'm an actress. Oh, you now because if you not